You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. This one is a soul puncher, ladies and gents. I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going with it. We had the absolute honor of chatting with the incredible Ruth Jow Simons, all on a topic so close to her heart and something so many of us creative entrepreneurs struggle with on a daily basis. Our cycle of striving, perfectionism, and how our identity plays a huge role in that. Now, before we get into it, let me just tell you a little bit about our friend Ruth. Ruth is a Wall Street Journal bestselling and award-winning author of several books, including Grace Laced, Beholding and Becoming, and When Striving Cease, as well as the Truth-Filled Bible Study. She is an artist, entrepreneur, and speaker using each of these platforms to spiritually sow the Word of God into people's hearts. And through her online shop at gracelace.com and her social media community, she shares her journey of God's grace intersecting daily life with word and art. She is literally incredible. We are so excited that we got her on this show. And today's conversation with Ruth is just a much-needed drink of water for all you achievers and hustlers out there parched in your search for fulfillment and meaning in your accolades, in your accomplishments, or even in your need for everything to be perfect. Enneagram threes, anyone, my hand is raised. I was convicted in this episode. (laughs) Ruth dove straight in with getting to the heart of why we're all striving endlessly in a world that constantly tells us we need to do more, be more, achieve more, and have more. She speaks so much truth on addressing the lies that we constantly believe that we need to be perfect, that we're worthless if we aren't getting bookings or sales coming in, and just so much more. We also touched on how she incorporates cycles of rest into her life as a mom and business owner, how to know when to say yes or no to an opportunity especially as a driven, goal-oriented person, and why it's vital to have a secure identity in knowing who you are apart from what you do. Guys, do not go anywhere. Ruth is about to drop the mic with such a life-giving conversation. I cannot wait for you to hear this. All right. Do you want to be a destination wedding photographer, but you feel like you can't because you live in the freaking middle of nowhere? Like anyone relate? (laughs) Just a few years ago, we felt that hard. As two girls born, raised, and starting our businesses in the smack dab middle of the Midwest, it took some serious strategy and planning to get booked as a destination wedding photographer. It wasn't easy, but it is possible no matter where you're based. We're here today to give you the tools we learned through our process to help you pursue destination wedding photography. To do so, download our free guide, Six Tips to Break into the Destination Wedding Industry for a pep talk and learn our strategies to get your business booked out the wazoo in places that you've been dreaming of for years. Go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash destination to grab the freebie. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Ruth, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I can't even tell you what a joy it is to have you here. Thank you for your time. Oh, it's such an honor to be here, ladies. It's fun to meet you guys. Yay. Oh my gosh. We are ready for a girl chat. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I'm cozied up right now. I have a blanket <laughs> around me. I am ready to just dive into this conversation and this topic. I know it's going to be so good and so rich. But before we dive in, Ruth, are you willing to just tell us a little bit about your story and about yourself for any listeners who maybe aren't familiar with you before we get into the meat? <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yes. So I'm Ruth Jo Simons. I'm an artist, a watercolor artist, primarily um, an author of several books and the founder of gracelace.com. In a previous season of my life, I was... um, my husband was a full-time pastor and we also founded a classical Christian school in the same season, in the same decade that I started a blog and birthed six children oh my. who all, oh, are wow. all boys. So I have six boys. My oldest is 20 and my youngest is nine. I share that to say seasons change and um, we're not all in the same seasons and we can learn so much from each other's season. But my current one is one where it's real public. I have a public ministry, a public business. I speak on stage, I write books. But at a previous season, I was doing a lot of the creative things that I am doing now publicly behind the scenes in my own home at my kitchen table. And um, God used that season and did a lot in me. And so I love to tell kind of where I've been and where I'm going. And now these days I'm surrounded by boys at home, but I work with a team of incredibly talented women, um, a remote team. Some are here locally and some are remote across the state, um, the states. And we have the honor of um, marrying beautiful artwork with the truth of God's word at Grace Lace and creating products that will serve people to help them linger long on um, on beauty and truth and turning our, our hearts and eyes to something bigger than ourselves. So that's my daily life usually caught up in all these things. And, you know, I've dipped my toe in doing podcasts as well. So we're in season three of the Grace Lace podcast. And ladies, I got to tell you, this is a tough job. It's not as easy as it seems. And so I'm super, <laughs> super grateful that you all um, have me on. I'm not even doing the interview thing right now. And so I'm grateful for this conversation and grateful to make new friends. Oh my gosh. Well, we are so grateful that you took time out of your day to be on our show. We love you so much. And so, Aww. oh man, we are just excited to chat. I know today we're kind of going to dive into talking about having a secure identity and cycles of striving. Mm. And I think just things that especially crave entrepreneurs and especially women struggle with so much. Um, sure. Um, I know your newest book, Emmanuel, is coming out about Christmas time, which I'm so excited to read. Um, but I think this topic is kind of going to touch on another recent book of yours, which is When Strivings Cease. Um, mm-hmm. But before we dive into it, could you talk a little bit about that book in particular and kind of what even incited you to want to talk about this topic in particular? Sure. You know, um, I hope I'm not the only one, but I'm, I'm, you know, I can't see our audience right now, but I hope whoever's listening will nod their heads when I say this, but I feel like more than ever, if you walk down any aisle at the store or in any bookstore, there's just constant information coming your way, telling you, um, what formula, what program, what book to read to live your best life, to accomplish your dreams, to achieve your goals. And while all those things are wonderful, I found myself extremely exhausted in my youth, but also in my young adult life. I was um, in college really wondering, oh my goodness, like what do I have to do to be welcomed, to be... um to have self-worth, to feel like I actually am valuable or valued. And um, it really was a 
It was a combination of a lot of things. I was born in Taiwan and I'm an Asian American raised in the States. And between my two cultures, I definitely experienced a lot of this tension between um, achieving and performance and even trying to find my worth in conforming and, and um, belonging in a culture that maybe had standards and, and expectations different than what I was raised with. And so a lot of those pressures were defining what I thought I needed to um, do to belong and to have favor in this world. And you can imagine um, that that kind of followed me into my walk with God. It followed me into my motherhood journey. It followed me into my business journey. And I finally realized as I was growing into uh, maturity as a woman that um I really needed to address this and look at why I keep repeating these patterns of being so exhausted. What's really at the heart of exhaustion? And so that's where um, it was It was really worked out long before the book was published. I mean, I, I waited a long time to write the book, actually, but um, it was... It was long before the book was published, but it was a journey in which I really wrestled with the fact that I was not made to be defined by achieving more, becoming more, and improving more. That I had to come and and strive and work hard out of a place of already having everything I need rather than running constantly thinking that I was lacking. And so I think it's a message that most of us surely nod our heads and go, okay, I see that in my life. And I am passionate about helping women um, assess and analyze what's going on in their own hearts and recognizing why they're so exhausted and how to address those issues. Mm, oh my gosh, I can't even wait to dive in to this conversation because I think you're so right in that I can almost guarantee, you know, 99% of us sitting here right now listening to this are nodding our heads like frantically, like, yes, yep, yep, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that you're about to drop so much truth and information into this topic and I'm I'm so excited to hear it from a personal perspective as well as you know for our listeners. I'm curious in your perspective Ruth how does perfectionism tie into the cycle of striving because I'm I'm sure you know, mm-hmm. in, in our perspectives Lindsay and I as, as coaches as you know working with fellow entrepreneurs in our own lives like that's a big catalyst in stirring up that cycle, feeling like everything has to be perfect and everything, you know, we never measure up to our own expectations of ourselves or maybe society's expectations of us or whatever that is. What is the truth that, that you would say or give to the listener if they are feeling that, you know, pull to perfection or Mm-hmm. that desperate need to a- accomplish or achieve perfection in whatever that is, whether it's motherhood or mm-hmm. business or whatever that looks like. Do you have thoughts on, I guess, kind of their yeah. worth outside of right. perfection? <laughs> well, listen, ladies, I think the thing that we don't do super well because we're all so busy and we're running a mile a minute sometimes is that we don't take the time to think about why we're doing what we're doing. Sometimes it's easy to be like, well, I just like my pillows perfectly fluffed, or I just like beauty in my home, or I just want everybody to, I just want to know what to expect. So I'm a little controlling. Like we might say those things, but at the root of it, if we're real, if we're good at just taking some time and thinking, what is causing me to be 
obsessed about perfection? What's causing me to be anxious? What's causing me to want to control everything? Um, if those are some of the words that spring up when you think about perfectionism, if um, feeling endlessly like unable to sleep unless everything is done just right or until your inbox is cleared out, if those are things that kind of bubble up in us, rather than just say, well, that's just how I'm wired, it's helpful to go, what am I really trying to achieve or accomplish by being perfect, by by doing it my way? And I'll just go first and say, I think at the root of it is that and this might sound a little um, disconnected, but bear with me because I think they're actually truly connected in that what we're all really after is is that we want to be seen, known, and loved. We really want to belong. We want, really want to matter. We really want to feel like we have purpose. And the truth is, we don't always recognize that we're doing actions. We, we're, we're anxiously striving because we're actually trying to attain something or achieve something that we think we have to accomplish on our own. See, the truth is, with the word striving, I like to define it by saying, it's when I anxiously maneuver and manipulate or trying to orchestrate all the circumstances in my life to gain or achieve something that I'm not quite trusting God to provide. Does that make sense? That I'm not actually looking to God to provide it. Yeah. I'm thinking I have to do it myself. So can you see how that is tied with perfectionism? I mean, that really is the start of it. Yeah. Is, and I don't mean to call anyone out, but myself, but to say, I think there's a part of us that, that thinks that we can just like chill out a little and just address perfectionism by being like, Hey, sister, you don't have to be so perfect. Everything is more beautiful when it's not perfect. No, there's truth there. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. That is an absolute axiomatic truth. But the, the, the fact is that you kind of can't just force yourself to not care about perfectionism unless you replace that addiction or that fear or that control that need to control with something better. And what I found to be true is that it will not get better and you will not replace that obsession with perfection unless you recognize how trustworthy God is or how good God is or how much he provides and how much you don't have to be the hero of your own life. You see, you have to replace that with something better than your own striving. Ooh. I'm like already getting convicted, Ruth. Okay. I, <laughs> we literally just moved from Kansas to Florida. And so we're like, and we sold all of our furniture to our, our house buyer in Kansas. And so I'm literally, mm, as wow. you're speaking, like I'm in, I'm in a empty house. We quite literally have like no furniture, but like I love a beautiful put together home. And so I'm, I'm like in this rampage. I, rampage is probably the best word for it to like <laughs> fill the house, but not even fill the house. I like, I want everything to be aesthetic and beautiful and like put together like a designer home. Oh, and I'm I just like, ah! yes. like going <laughs> on a rampage, but I'm like, okay. Wow. even as you're saying that, I'm like, okay, why? Like, why do I need a beautiful home? Not that having a beautiful home is, is, is bad, no, like you said, right. but but it's like, do I want to feel like comfort or, or security? And I'm like, okay, wait, right. am I not yes. relying on God for those things? I don't, you're just like allowing me to like have a therapy moment here. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, but it's really helpful, right? Right. Yeah. Like I'm sure a lot of pe other people, like whether it's they, they want a beautiful home or they are, are struggling for their worth in, in their achievements and their career or whatever it is, or being the perfect mom. I think just what you said is so 
encouraging and, and maybe uh, really convicting, honestly, just in kind of analyzing, like, what are you relying on? Like, are you truly relying on the Lord to give you those deeper things that you're searching for? Are you trying to do it all yourself? Yeah. And I think we could get real practical and just look at it from multiple angles. Like you just did, you just gave such a good description because with the home situation, we all know that feeling where we're like, I want to snap my fingers and have my ideal home. I really uh-huh. want in that. And there's nothing wrong with that, with, with wanting a beautiful home. But yes, the anxious striving, the, the going on a rampage, the kind of yelling at people around you because you don't have it, you know, you're, you're not where you want it to be. I'm not saying you're doing that. I just am saying I do that. But it's uh, no, good to you go called out. me. I, I did that. Because, <laughs> he installed a light in the wrong oh place goodness, and I like right? yelled at him and I was like, oh, okay. It's awful, right? And those are I good know. warning signs. It's really good to say, wow, what, are, what am I making an idol? Because if I'm willing to sin and if I'm willing to have a terrible attitude to get what I want, then I've made kind of an idol of that, yeah. that, that thing, the mm-hmm. comfort, the sense of happiness, whatever it is, you need to like follow it all the way down to the root of like, what are you actually out of? I mean, what are you actually um, out trying to get for yourself? And so you can also look at it in terms of like social media or your success online. I mean, we are, we're sitting here as a group of women who are endeavoring to use our gifts. And that is a beautiful and incredible thing. It's an incredible thing to steward well the gifts you've been given, whether that's like strategy or mindset or an actual creative skill that you have, whether it's watercoloring or photography or a musical gift. We all are gifted and using those gifts and running fast and hard and trying to steward that well. It's really great except when you realize that your happiness depends on whether people acknowledge you for it or whether you're getting bookings for it or whether you are growing at the pace that somebody else you admire is growing at. You see, suddenly that changes the story because then your motivation to grow isn't out of delight and joy and wanting to steward it well. Your motivation to grow is because you feel discontent or that you feel like you're never going to be happy unless you gain for yourself what you don't trust God to provide in the right timing, in the right way. Do you see how that can be different? Go off. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think that's so good. I think too, you know, it's very easy for us as, you know, humans to think that, oh no, I don't find my worth from my clean house until your house is is a mess and a neighbor unexpectedly pops over and then you're in a funk for the rest of the day. And then you realize (laughs) like, oh, wait, that's a red flag. You know, it, it's those mm-hmm. moments where it's easy when when things are going well, like when you are getting those bookings, when your house is in mm-hmm. order, when, you know, whatever is is happening that you're feeling this need for perfection. And when when you're close to that desired perfection that you've set for yourself, it's very easy to be like, oh no, I don't find my worth from this whatsoever. It just brings me a little, you know, it just, I'm, I enjoy stewarding this well mm-hmm. until it falls apart. And then it's kind of that, that reality check moment of, oh shoot, mm-hmm. this is, this is off. And for me personally, and Ruth, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but for me personally, when those moments come, when that reality, you know, kind of hits me of, oh, whoops, okay, my my worth got placed in the wrong thing again. I was starting mm-hmm. to put too many, you know, too much value on, you know, how this appeared to others or how, you know, it satisfied myself even um, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. When I have those reality check moments, I immediately notice that typically 
my focus shifted from the Lord one way or another. And and Absolutely. either I stopped spending my morning time with Him or my daily yeah. time with Him, or, you know, I replaced my worship music in the car with a business book. And and not that that's bad, but I noticed there, there are little trails and little signs that kind of Mm-hmm. led me off my path of my firm foundation and my roots mm-hmm. going deep in the Lord and my worth being found in Him, there's little things that I began kind of setting aside because everything was going so well. And then it's those moments that I just, I like duck my head and like sprint back to the Father. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Daddy, I'm yeah. sorry. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. back. I'm back in me, you know, set my feet back on that firm foundation. But Ruth, do you have anything to add to that of that that yeah. moment when a listener maybe is realizing, oh, yep, I, I, that's me. I feel myself putting, you know, striving towards something that mm-hmm. isn't actually, you know, tied to my worth. Like it doesn't, it doesn't change who I am or yeah. anything like that. You know, what would you say to do if somebody's listening to this feeling that disconnect and that mm-hmm. reality check moment? I, I feel like, first of all, it's important to note that just as you said, sometimes change for the better or worse does not happen with one dramatic move. Sometimes it's a compilation of a lot of small adjustments. You can find yourself out of alignment. Even it's just using the illustration of our actual posture. If you sit hunched back for a really long time, you don't realize after a while that you've actually done something to your physical body that, um, is, is just as detrimental as if you were completely out of whack because you did something really dramatic. But it's that daily, con- constantly rehearsing a bad thing actually takes you out of alignment and sends you down a wrong path. And so even coming back towards alignment is one of those things where you don't wait for a dramatic moment. You just say, hey, I'm noticing right now that I'm more anxious than I need to be. Let me remind myself what the truth is. Because I think the thing that we always want somehow, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, I just want a really good formula for things. I would love, (laughs) I mean, wouldn't it be easy if this podcast was one where we were like, oh my goodness, Ruth said to do these five things and I'll never struggle with um, striving and being out of alignment again. But that's not the truth because we're wired to think that we have it all under control. We're wired to think that we want to depend on ourselves and no one else. And so I know no other way to come back into true alignment with who God is and his faithfulness and what I can, how I can trust in him unless I just replace the lies with truth. And so mm-hmm. I call that preaching truth to myself. I call that really just literally before I even get out of bed to say, okay, What's causing me to feel stressed and what's causing me to strive on my own? And usually, ladies, it's a recognition that I kind of worship myself. I mean, I I don't mean to be super harsh about it, but I think sometimes I just think that I feel like I'm the boss. Like I really am the person who everybody has to bow down to. Like it has to be my way. And I want the Lord to know that I have a good plan for my life. So he really ought to like, listen to what's on my heart and how I want to do things. And I need to, and when I feel anxious, it's always because I think that I'm at the center of the universe. I'm sitting on the throne. Mm. And I think it's just a really good heart check to go rather than hang my head in defeat and go, Oh, God must be so disappointed in me. I've been worshiping myself. No, I just go, you are a good father and your doors are wide open as I surrender. So 
God, I'm just like you said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back and saying, I am not the boss you are. And I'm going to listen instead of keep talking right now. And I'm going to put on my audio Bible. I'm going to listen to your word. I'm going to find some time to actually sit down and meditate on the word. Because really, what do I have to offer? What do I have to even run the fuel by unless I'm fueled by the truth of God's word? If I'm constantly running on the fuel of Ruth is the boss, Ruth has got the plan, Ruth is going to hold everything together, um, that's going to leave me pretty worn out and disappointed again and again. And so I guess my, my practical tip is the reminder that we're not going to nail it every day, all the time. And we're not, it's not a one and done. You have to keep coming back to it day after day, moment by moment, even stopping in humility to say, Lord, I think in this moment when I just yelled at my kids or when I just, um, got super, super frustrated because I didn't get the deal that I wanted for the the business plan that I thought was going to come through. In that moment, am I believing that you are good and you have a plan or am I believing that it has to go my way? And if I've, mm-hmm. if I've wrongly considered this moment, then Lord, I'm sorry and help me remember that you didn't need my help to save me from the, 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 the pain of sin and death. You, you sent Christ. Like I, you don't need my help to save myself or the world. You've got it. And so I can relinquish control over how I think everything has to go. I mean, that's really practically the, the actual narrative that's going back and forth in my mind and in my heart daily as I talk to the Lord. Yes. Oh, that is so, so good. I kind of a follow-up question, especially for the creative entrepreneurs in the online space uh, listening to this, which is probably nearly everyone. Um, (laughs) If you are owning an online business, I feel like in this day and age, and even if you're not owning a business, so much of the world is online. And we are inundated, especially with social media, just day in and day out of what culture says we should do, what what other people are doing. And and that's just like almost the the newsreel that is Mm -hmm. continually in front of our eyeballs. And I feel like that subtly, whether we realize it or not, is dictating kind of what we should aim for and what we should do. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you personally, especially being someone with like a public figure, with books out, with uh, online platform, like you are inundated in it as well. Is there any practical like blockers? I'm obviously other than like it, block it out and, and go to the word like that's obviously first sure, and foremost sure. but anything maybe practical that you do in yeah. the sense of um okay I'm, I'm in this world my job forces me to kind of be in this world and, and use it to some capacity how do I navigate that yeah. while still staying true to who God says I am and and what I should do Absolutely. I think it can get really overwhelming if, let's say, you wear many hats. I mean, most of us as entrepreneurs, we wear many hats. We're constantly um, juggling lots of things and we're constantly seeing various ways in which we could scale, grow, or pivot. Sometimes we're worried about revenue and then we're thinking, well, maybe I should be doing X, Y, and Z because they're doing those things. And so practically speaking, I, I could not run the race that I'm on in the race that God's called me to if I didn't have a mission statement, if I didn't revisit my vision and mission and what I've been called to almost daily. I, I speak it out loud. To, I mean, it's not like I'm reading it, but I were speaking it to one another as a team. I speak it to myself as I talk to my husband about what I should say yes to, what I should say no to. You see, unless you have a strong vision 
and a, an actual decided mission statement, uh, um, a decided understanding of what you are about and what you're not about, then it's going to be really hard to discern and wade through the muck and mire of what is constant. Like, you know, the internet never sleeps. And so you're going to be constantly aware of how you could do reels a certain way, how you could be more active on TikTok, how this and that, you know, and all those. And here's the thing. Again, it's not the what you should or shouldn't do. It's that we all only have 24 hours in each day. And you have to care for yourself. You have to care for the people that God's placed in your life. You have to grow spiritually. You have to rest. Sabbath and rest really matters. You have to have enough growth that you overflow into the work that you do creatively. How do you fit all that in unless you know what to say yes to and what to say no to? How do you know when it's appropriate and right to scale and get larger and when to say no? Um, I think we're going to stay right where we are and steward well what we've already been given. I remember a couple of years ago, ladies, um, there was an opportunity for Grace Laced and not like a one specific opportunity, but it was like, it's just a time, a season where we could have exploded in some different ways. There was a possible, like I, it could have been that the, the business suddenly became a very household name and we could have gotten really large, really fast. And I looked at um, my family, all these boys in the grade school age. I looked at my marriage with my husband and the ways we were weak and the ways we were strong. And I looked at what God had called me to and the fact that I care so much about the legacy of the written word and the message that was on my heart. And I made a decision. It wasn't some, I didn't say no to a certain contract necessarily, but I looked at the whole landscape and I knew that it wasn't the right time to scale um, at that time. And it was kind of a difficult decision. It was a difficult decision to say, just because I can doesn't mean I should. And I think that that's a good principle mm. for all of us to remember that it's you have to decide and think through what God has called you to because the opportunities and the possibilities to morph and change are endless. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you have to do it all at the same time. And the mm. best that you could offer will always be when you steward well what you already have. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Product shop owners, listen up. This one's for you. Do you ever get frustrated trying to keep track of all your material expenses, sales, inventory, and more? Don't worry, we got you covered. Introducing Inventora. Inventora is the all-in-one system for handmade businesses, makers, and manufacturers. Yes, Inventora can help you manage your materials, product recipes, components, suppliers, all in one place. It can even integrate with your e-commerce platforms like Shopify and Etsy to help keep inventory levels in sync between the two, or more if you have Wix and Square as well. Designed with advanced inventory reports, you will always have a deep understanding of how much you've spent on materials and how they flow through your business month by month, as well as the much-needed end-of-year inventory value report for tax season. Yes, Inventor is the perfect solution for a variety of businesses, candles, soap, fabrics, jewelry, and more. If you make it, Inventora can help you. You can join their completely free hobby plan to get started. To check it out, head to inventora.com and use promo code HEART for 20% off a paid plan for your first year. All right, entrepreneurs, let's face it. You're in a pickle. You're not attracting your ideal clients because your brand visuals are just meh at best and you're not showing up as the professional ready to make their life 500 times better. 
Do you honestly feel like your website just sucks? Like your branding feels like you created it in Microsoft's Paint. Anyone else remember Microsoft's Paint? Is that just me? <laughs> okay. And your, your client experience just overall feels like it's seriously lacking and you just need a change right now. But let's be honest, you're not ready to drop 8K on a custom web and brand design. Well, don't worry. That's where we come in. Introducing the solution to all of your website struggles, the Heart Shop website templates. Now, we spent hours designing these customizable, professional, and conversion-intense website templates with our incredible designer, Sarah Crook of Elizabeth Designs. They are so incredibly easy to use and customize with ShowIt's user-friendly interface. Yes, by the way, you can easily learn how to work with ShowIt, even if you've never touched a website or any design platform before and you can change literally anything you want. No more being limited to squares on your website. It's a drag and drop system that is freaking easy and looks incredible. Oh, oh, you want more information? Cool, I got you. The templates come already SEO optimized with copy prompts from Lindsay and I included. Yeah, you don't just get nonsensical filler text. You get bomb education and prompts from Lindsay and I to help you wow your potential clients and crush your website copy. And we designed a variety of these in different styles so you can find the closest match and then tweak it to make it fully your own. If you're ready to save thousands of dollars and hours upon hours upon hours of your time and get clients flooding through your website, you need to check these out. So grab yours at theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. I think following up with that, if you're willing to dive in a little bit further, obviously as as creatives, as entrepreneurs, typically there is an ingrained drive in each of us Mm -hmm. for, you know, for not for more, that's not the right word, but, but you know what I mean? We're all very driven people. There's always, we're, we're longing to learn and to try new things and to accomplish new things. And we're often very goal oriented. And you kind of touched on this of, you know, stewarding where you are and not always, you know, recognizing what to say yes to, but i be curious if you have anything else to say to the super driven, very goal-oriented entrepreneur listening to this yeah. who, you know, is always in danger because we all are <laughs> when we're yeah. super driven, in danger of falling into the cycle of striving. But also, yeah. I guess this is a two-part question. So anything else you would say to that? And then secondly, you know, how do you know what to say yes to and what to say no to? Because I'm sure somebody mm. could be listening to this and thinking, okay, so, you know, I need to... I need to look around and decide if it's the right sure. season, but how do they know? Sure. Okay. So those are really good questions. And um, if I forget the second, you'll have to remind me, but let me tackle the first <laughs> one first and, and say, there is absolutely nothing wrong with setting goals, running fast, using your gifts, strategizing, calling meetings, and leveraging everything you have really well. I am not scared of talking about sales goals. I'm not scared about getting bigger or I'm not trying to play small. There's none of that. But I think what I'm always looking out for and what I would say to somebody who is a an achiever, a striver, somebody who loves to set goals is follow where your anxiety goes. Like try to try to look at like where your anxiety is. If you're getting if you're losing sleep over something, if you're super stressed out about something, what is that pointing to? That's what you should start being concerned about it. It's not that we can't 
you know, use our giftings and, and run really fast and, and, and create wonderful things with this one life we've got. It's that when we do it and we start anxiously um, maneuvering and start feeling like, well, when we're really doing it in our own strength, that's when we realize that we're out of alignment with who God is and what he's created us for. Because the ultimate goal here, and I said it before and I'll say it again, God is more interested in having your heart than having your dreams come true. So even if you're pursuing your dreams, Mm -hmm. he doesn't have your heart, then you've missed the whole point. And so I don't have a problem with anyone setting goals or uh, creating more or chasing more for their business. Let's absolutely not play small, but we have to do it in a way that honors the Lord and ultimately makes, um, let's see how to put it. There's a big difference between striving because I think that I'm running towards my treasure the treasure of success or the treasure of accomplishment or the treasure of um, making it to the next level. There's a difference between that kind of striving and the striving that out of already having my treasure, knowing, hey, God has already been good to me. I already have his favor. I already am given much more than I possibly deserve. I want to use everything I've got really well. Mm-hmm. Do you see how the latter is one where we're fueled by the grace of God? Yeah. And the first is being driven and fueled by the fear that we're never going to have it. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking to sisters in Christ here, I would just say, if you've trusted in Jesus, it might be a good time to revisit God's word and remember what he's already given you because that's your fuel. That's your fuel. That's your treasure. He is our treasure. You're not running and trying to accomplish something or grow your business or sell your business or make it big somewhere because you think that life is on the other side of accomplishing those things. Be driven out of the joy that life is already found in Christ. And so every breath you take can be used for Him. That's what I would say about I mean, I'm not trying to make it real big and spiritual. I'm simply saying run as fast and as hard and as wonderful um, and using your time as maxed out as you possibly can, as long as you recognize that you're doing it out of a place of rest and out of place of joy and a place of knowing that all your treasure will ultimately come from Christ. And so if you're getting anxious, if you're getting stressed out, if you're anx- if you're ultimately frustrated and unhappy and discontent, that will be the warning sign that you're striving in your own strength. Mm. And then ultimately in response to your second question, so I would say some biggies really are things like, if I say yes to this, will this get me closer to what I've been, what I'm called to? That's the, that's the number one thing, right? Am I called to being a mama, a wife? Um, am I called to um, being involved in my local church and with the people in my life? Am I saying yes to something that will take me away from getting to steward those things faithfully? Now, that's not formulaic. That's not saying that you cannot, um, like I'm a working mama. I'm not saying that that you can't steward both things well, but it it's, takes some assessing, right? Like how is, am I going to get closer to my goal? Another way I look at it is also um, a really practical thing of um, if I say to yes, if I say yes to this, will I also... 
will I be able to still have a rhythm of rest in my life? Mm -hmm. Um, I've been an entrepreneur and I've been at this public work for almost a decade now of really being public in this. And um, I cannot say enough about rest and about being offline and about being very present in my real local life so that I have something to give in my public, um, more um, not so intimate um, public life. It's really important. And so I think it's, it's one of my major, you know, the criteria is always to say, like, if I say yes, yes to this, will this run me ragged or will this allow for rest still to happen in my life? Mm-hmm. And then I think finally, I, I think a good little bit of self-assessment is always to just check your heart, I guess. I mean, I don't mean to say that in a silly way, but to check your heart and say, am I saying yes to this? Am I buying this car, signing this contract and going to this party adding one more thing to my schedule. Am I saying yes to this because it makes me feel better about myself or making myself feel like I belong? Or am I doing this because it will get me kudos with somebody else? Am I, am I needing approval by saying yes to this? Or is this actually helping me steward my gifts better? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really valid question to ask and nobody else can answer it for you. I mean, maybe you have a good enough and close enough friend um, in your life, like y'all are for each other. Maybe you have a close enough friend that can be honest and say, hmm, do you think you're saying yes to that because um, because you feel like you need approval in that way? Or is this really what you want? I mean, you need a friend who will help ask that question too. But if you don't, you need to ask that of yourself because sometimes it's very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. This is so good. You mentioned really briefly kind of in that the rhythm of a rest. Could you kind of expand a little bit on on what that practically looks like to you? Yeah. You know, I'm not super formula. I'm not super formulaic. I'm not somebody who like every single day at a certain time, I log off Instagram. Um, I mean, kudos to the people who have like perfect, like set clocks for those things. But I don't have a rhythm quite like that. Sometimes it's because I have employees who live um, on the East Coast and I'm on mountain time and there's times that I have to log in for different things. So I try not to be super legalistic and formulaic about it. But what I find is that I have to have the rhythm where every day and at least once or one, one or two days a week, I really find a lot of space outside of the internet and I go places where um, I don't have cell service. And so whether that means that you physically log off an app or you go do something so outdoorsy or so with people that you can leave your phone at home or in your purse, or I I really have to have a rhythm like that because um, it's far too easy to work around the clock. It's far too easy to feel like, oh, I can stop on the other side of answering those next 20 DMs or, you know, finishing all those emails that I hadn't finished earlier. The work really never stops. And so I think God really designed and told us to rest for a reason because we were not made to think that we were endless, incapable of more. We were made to run dry. And so for me, that looks like, um, that looks like spending time with my boys doing things that I wouldn't sign up for usually. I'll tell you what I'd sign up for. I'd sign up to go shopping and to go <laughs> eat out and to um, take lots of pics with my girlfriends and hang out doing really 
find pretty things that would look good on the internet. But what I find that I need in my heart is to expose myself to things that have nothing to do with running an art business, have nothing to do with producing things, have nothing to do with getting ahead. Mm-hmm. I need to be surrounded by things that remind me that I'm really not as powerful as I think I am. So sometimes that means listening to really amazing music that somebody else who's talented in a whole different industry created. I love live music or going on a hike because I really don't feel good at that, but it pushes me and it reminds me that um, there's something so much bigger than myself. And a lot of times it's to get off the internet and have a really good conversation with somebody in my everyday life and in my home and being hospitable and reminding myself that um, presence really matters. So Mm -hmm. those are some of my rhythms. Oh, I love this. I am curious in your thoughts, a lot of what we've been talking about has kind of, I feel like tiptoed around and like touched on, but not really focused on the topic of, you know, our identity and who we are outside of work. Mm-hmm. Is there anything for the person who's listening to this, who's like, man, I just find myself in this cycle of striving over and yeah. over, like repeatedly, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's whether it's every month or every week or every day, or, you know, once a year, there's some big red flags being thrown up left and right. And we realize, oh shoot, I'm way off track. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's that repetitive falling into that cycle of striving. And, you know, we've talked about how knowing your identity out of your accomplishments, out of your work and in, in who God has called you to be, you know, that's how you stay out of the cycle of striving. But for someone who's listening to this, who's like, okay, I need to to focus on my identity. I need to focus on mm-hmm. securing and solidifying who I am, mm-hmm. you know, outside of what I do. Do you have any thoughts or tangible advice of, you know, first couple of steps of questions to ask themselves or, yeah. um, you know, scripture to read or anything like that? Right. I mean, I think back to the onset of the pandemic and how we all were a little jostled and thinking, who am I now that I don't get to do the things that I'm used to doing or suddenly my work rhythm has changed. Um, And I think that that was probably even a warning sign for some of us to be like, okay, I need to think about who I am when all the, the scheduled things are stripped away. And so I think this is a really important question and I'll, I'll, I, this is not a comprehensive answer, but I'll address it in two ways by saying, I think that we need others to speak into our lives and we need God to speak into our lives. And so the Amen. way that ultimately our identity in Christ is our true identity. And when you think about the Apostle Paul and every letter he wrote to the churches, um, Ephesians is one of my favorites. And of course, I mean, how do you pick? And so mm-hmm. Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, they all start with Paul saying, hey guys, I... I got some instructions for you guys. I have some ways in which you need to stop doing these things and start doing these things. But before I even go there, I'm going to tell you who God is and what your identity is in him. Every time, if you go to the book of Colossians, if you go to Ephesians, the first two chapters will be him talking about who God is and their new identity now that they are in Christ. I say that because we would do well to go back to those chapters, the beginnings of these letters and remind ourselves rather than skip to the part where, how do I stop striving? How do I be more godly? How do I um, just have more faith? Before we start there, start rehearsing the truth of how you have been made new, 
how you are loved and made alive in Christ, how you have inherited all that Christ has in the heavenly realms. How is it that you have actually entry into the the bond, the little love bond between God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that when you are in Christ, that's your identity. Now you are a daughter. You're not an enemy. You are in the family of God. These are just a few things I could say, but they're all found in Colossians. They're found in Mm -hmm. Ephesians. They're found throughout scripture. And so number one, I would say, go to the word of God. Start making a study of your identity in Christ. Um, I actually wrote a Bible study called Truth Filled, and it's um, a study through the book of Colossians about this very thing, preaching the truth of our identity in Christ to ourselves. And so if that can be a resource, um, definitely um, look into that. But secondly, we need other people to speak into our lives, not like trusted people, right? Not the internet, not the comments on our social media, but Go to somebody trusted in your life and say, I think I've been really caught up with what the internet says about me or what my um, work says about me or whether my achievements say that I'm good and I'm great and I'm loved. Can you tell me who I am to you? What do you how do you see me? What, are, what do you think are my strengths? What, are, what do you think are the things that I can offer the world? And you'll be surprised to hear what your spouse says, what your best friend says, what your parent says, or, you know, and be careful about who you choose. Like, don't, don't just open this up for a public debate, you know, but choose somebody who's walked with you and say, I am needing to remind myself that I'm a child of God and that I'm not who I am far more than what I do. Can you speak some life into my life? And they will. Mm. Oh, I love everything that you just said. That's such good advice. And just having, I I like really, especially like getting off the internet, especially if like you're inundated in it and you work in it. And like, I I think there's no better advice than to like seek godly counsel and like turn on airplane mode. Um, (laughs) I feel like that's just so good. Oh man, Ruth, you have literally just like been such a soothing presence in this entire episode. Um, And just given, I know me and Evie just like such... Uh, just soul juice. I don't know if that's, I just made that up just now, but I love it. I know our listeners are just uh, hopefully, which not even hopefully they are uh, just reveling in, in everything that you've just said to end the episode. We kind of like to do a rapid fire two part question, but the first one is kind of a deep question. So I'll take as long as you need. Um, But the first one is what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in your years of business? This is a really good one. Um, I think I, oh goodness, girls, you're putting me on the spot because I want to tell you three different things, but I'll just start with my favorite one. Um, I think the thing that I've learned in business that is so important is the principle of clarity is kindness. I think that this is so, um, we, we, we're so careful to, um, avoid conflict that so many times we're not being clear. And in business, being clear is kindness. And that might mean in um, how we talk to employees, how we speak to our customers, how we engage um, and negotiate a contract. It's that we don't want to ever be passive aggressive. We want to be really clear, really kind and fair, but to always be aware that nobody can know our hearts unless we speak the truth. And so um, I've learned that half the time, the things that 
right? More times than not, the thing that's giving me heartburn and stressing me out in business is so often relational. And so many times things that have to do with misunderstandings or how I'm going to tackle this issue or this conflict or, or not being on the same page. And over and over again, I'm realizing that if I just bring my whole authentic self and speak the way I want to be spoken to, that um, I can get so much further in business relationships and everything that I need to do well in my business. Mm, that's truth. That's a that's a mic drop. Take notes on that. Rewind that a few times. Moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, Ruth. the The second question, the follow up, is a little less intense, a little less of a, a big boy. Um, what is a favorite book that you've read recently? Well, I'm still reading um, Ed Welch's When People Are Big and God is Small. Mm. And it's really a book that is kind of in line with some of these things that we're talking about, where there's fear of man, when we're in a people-pleasing mode, when we are um, making other people's and their opinions really big, and how we can address it by remembering that God is meant to be big, not people. And so um, I'm still in the midst of that. I've had the book for a long time, but um, this is one that I've really been enjoying. Oh, oh, thank you for sharing that. We selfishly love to add all of our uh, <laughs> recommendations given by guests to our list. And I know our listeners do as well. They they even requested like a blog post of all of our guest mm. book recommendations. Um, so thank you. We yeah. are so excited to check that one out. Lastly, where can everyone find you? Ruth, you have so much goodness out to give. Uh, I know even coming up, um, I'm not sure actually when a manual drops um, based on when this episode is airing, but like, can you just share where everyone can find you, read your books, listen to your yeah. podcast, it, learn from you, like all Enjoy the way your art, all of it. Yes, I, all of it. There's a lot going on. So thank you, ladies. Yes. Um, well, first and foremost, I would love to be able to encourage your audience on a daily basis over at Ruth Joe Simons, R-U-T-H-C-H-O-U-S-I-M-O-N-S on Instagram. But you can um, find my work through Grace Lace at Grace Lace on all social um social platforms and at gracelace.com. And my newest book is an advent journey. It's called Emmanuel. And it really is a little different. It's about preparing our hearts for um, how the presence of God can go with us long after Christmas is gone. And, and this, mm. you know, the, the trees back away and the lights fade. And so, um, you can learn more about that book. The book's already out and in, you can pick that up anywhere you buy books, but you can learn more about that at emmanuelbook.com. Okay. Amazing. Perfect. It's already out. That's great. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it will definitely be out then by the time this airs. <laughs> Ruth, thank you so much for your time here today and for your wisdom insight that you've given. I know hearts have been deeply touched by this episode and by everything that you've shared. So thank you for your time and your wisdom. Well, thank you ladies for having me. It was a joy. <laughs>